Well, 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 here we are again. Another uh, installment of Where the Pavement Ends. Today, uh, who are we working with, Clay? Who are we working with today? Today, we are brought to you by Federal Ammunition. The one, the only, the badass federal loads are insane for what we do, right? They go in, they stay in, they don't tear up your fur, any caliber you want to. They got the load that you need to take care of the animal. Coyotes, I mean, you can go all the way down to squirrels, all the way up to the biggest African game. They got it for you, so... Federal, they've been with us a long time. We appreciate their support. And um, today, it kind of goes right hand in hand with what we're talking about because it works day or night, right? Right. <laughs> it doesn't discriminate of the light. I, uh, n- before we discuss the uh, night and day, I just was having a conversation with a guy about what, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 55 grain 22250 is what. We've been using the last that's couple my of years. Load, yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect load. Per, that's and that was that was the discussion that we had. You know, he he does some um, hand loads. He does use the uh, he uses some federal components and stuff. But he was talking about even uh, smaller grain bullets for coyotes. And I I mean. We're not seeing big. Uh, you can see a big gaping hole it, it, sometimes, depending on where you hit him and stuff exactly. like that. He he. So he's talking about for fur um, harvesting, you know, and and using like even like low forty grain. And that's what I said. I was like, oh, you guys didn't hear what Clay said, but he made the face of oof, you know, like oof. <laughs> Still twenty two two fifty. Yeah, but like a forty two grain bullet, like a forty, you know, forty. I guess, and I forget the guy's name. I'll have to do a little research. But there's a guy that's out there, um, talking about, like I said, sub fifty grain bullets for coyote hunting with a twenty two two fifty to keep the the wound, you know, smaller. Um, I don't know. I it imagine was, it, with the with a certain tip, if you're looking at you know the exit wound part of stuff. Right? Yeah, you got there's so many different splinters. There's a bunch of different tips. So you got the the bullets, and you got how much powder you put behind it. Right, but how hot you're going to run that forty grain or whatever you're talking about. So, so the the you know obviously the the thought is not so much energy transferred into it. You know, obviously, but we've seen it, man. You. The, they're tough. They're tough. And that's what, you know, if you're going to harvest fur, I got to think there's better ways than calling to do, you know, if, if that's truly going to be your way to get it done. And we, I don't want to start talking about trapping and snaring and stuff like that, but I worry about lightening that load so much that you're wounding coyotes in there and, and you're not able to harvest them. Fine. You know what I mean? Cause so, they, yeah, you'll hit them and they, they run away with 55 grain. Right. It's amazing how tough they are. Right. And that's what, you know, I wish... You know, maybe one day we'll get the guy I was talking to. His name's Bob. He's a big time reloader and just a, a firearms enthusiast. And but you know, sometimes those guys don't have the practical. You know, it looks good on paper to talk about. You know, those real light. You know, it's same as like the two hundred four Ruger came out, and I have one. We, but it, it, I think we found out that it's just not enough. You know, they're just you got shot placements. One thing, but you've seen them coyotes run with everything they got hanging out of them dude and they'll run 200 yards and tuck into a bush and you know i think about that one at grassy camp all the time that thing was was busted and he went so far and you know it's like man 
then they tear themselves up too. And that's, that was the conversation I had with Bob too, is if you, if you don't put them down fast, they'll turn around and tear everything they got out of them. And then you're, you've ruined, you know, now the the Capes ruined even more so. So anyway, I don't want to go down that road, but federal, uh, 55 gram, 22, 250. That's all you need. (laughs) Exactly. It's It's worked well for 15 years for us. Right. I did. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. And uh, the, the, I mean, we can, it's fine. We talk about this. The, the thing about reloading is every gun, every barrel is different. Even yeah. if you are, uh, you know, with a great rifle manufacturer, every rifle shoot is a seven twist. Is it 10 to one twist? Is it five to one twist? And every one of those treat, you can put a twenty two two fifty with a seven to one twist versus a 10 to one twist. And, it's a completely different ball game, mm-hmm. the accuracy and everything. So if you have a one gun that you're going to go shoot coyotes with 22-250, you can find a load that will work pretty good. With reloading, you can dial that in. You can take a 55 grain versus a 54 grain, 50 grain, 45 grain, and then mess with the powder mm-hmm. and just dial it in for your gun. Because... Like you're talking about, accuracy is more important that you can throw a 300 wind mag at a coyote and hit him in the belly, and they're still going to run. Right. So it is shot placement. So you'd rather have a more, I would rather have a more accurate gun with the optics and being able to dial it down if you are reloading. That obviously benefits reloading to dial in your gun specifically. I mean, it could be a grain off. I mean, it's 55 and a quarter grain, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, that was just my input. So I would rather have shot placement versus grainage. Sure, sure. I, I think, you know, uh, slap me if I'm wrong. Slap my Re- mama. Reloading's a lot like tying flies. It, it's a hobby that, that you know, gets you out into the garage yeah. every week. It, Away from the wife. I would much rather just buy a box of shells off of the uh, shelf and same with buy flies out of the rack. I just, See, and I'm completely opposite. You want to learn how to reload and do yeah, all that I'm stuff? I'm going to. That's that's my next adventure because I love tying flies because it's the thought of catching some a fish with something you made right flies maybe was a was a wrong because well, I could the same process, I could get though. the enjoyment out of not quite the same. tying a fly and catching a fish with it but reloading uh reloading 150 22 250 rounds but if you have the right equipment no I know it's quick because the the stuff from back in the day our grandpa what they did not comparable to what. You right. know, the stuff they have today. I mean, they have electronic down. Like I'm talking about, you can get it down to the... Sure, sure. Are you going to get that sense of accomplishment? Like, oh, man, I really... I got that coyote with that bullet right. unloaded. Or do you just want to sit out in the right. garage with a tequila and make 100 yeah. shells so you don't have to listen to your kids screaming? <laughs> Be honest that with too. it. That, <laughs> uh, you got Hey, you got gardening, woodworking, hunting, work. You, how much time do you need to fill? I mean, how much... What are you, not of, sleeping? <laughs> no, I don't sleep. Uh but no, I, I think I would really enjoy getting into that. Really enjoy it. because and there's a lot of things, especially with what's going on, right? Ammo shortage. You could probably find primers and the components are all short too. I felt they? the same way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I that that is one thing though. But you know, apparently there's a huge shortage on all the primers and all that stuff. Brass too. and powder even. Yeah. Uh I think the powder the primers were the big deal. I know I I just talked to a buddy that his kids got into sporting clays and you know, that's a hundred rounds per round. And he said, you can't, you can't buy shotgun shells. Um, and I, I found that yesterday. I, I went to shields yesterday and, uh, yeah, they got nothing. And so he 
bought a reloader and bought all the holes and all that stuff and then couldn't buy the uh, primers. So he's kind of in the same spot. He said he ended up finding some, but they were like five times the price that they normally should be. So, 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 well, brings you back to do it in when times are good. Right, right, right. Times and then yeah. stockpile yeah, some stuff up. You're good. Mm-hmm. So I just went down to get some fence slats down at the Home Depot and nothing. Nothing in the back, nothing on the shelf. They're wow. completely out of, out of the slats. 20, yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's in high demand right not now. Not only just high demand, it's the price is insane. If you're building a, a house right now, it is 25% more just in cost to build a house. Just in co- straight cost. Just material. Wood, materials, 25, wood is 25% up just from the start of the year, for January 1st. Is that because of the construction boom or what is that? I, construction boom, man. I know a lot of people are doing like do-it-yourself stuff because they're bored with the whole pandemic thing. But uh, yeah, but that's I mean, yeah, part of it, probably. Pandemic and probably get a lot from Canada and other places that we source wood from. I would think it's the international travel over the borders, the, the shutdowns. I would think it's multiple factors. Yeah, it's brutal because I've been waiting to build the ten by twenty in my backyard. Yeah, you, I was going to say we were talking about that. Little Ain't shop happening. you wanted to build. Not happening yet. I can't get the wood. Anyway. Maybe make it out of uh, solar panels and wind turbines. <laughs> That's a different conversation. We're here today to talk about a couple different things. Couple different we went off on a small tangent there. Yeah, it's all right. I like tangents. Uh, but I wanted to talk about, because it's been in the news, we've already discussed contest calling, but part of contest calling, the real successful guys for the most part, do it at night, right? I mean, that's a, well, I think everybody tries to do it at night, but, you know, the guys that are really good at it, the guys that got it down, yeah, they they hunt at night. I mean. A lot of them, yeah. I mean, they still hunt. They're, I mean, if you're successful at night, you can still be, do it a day, obviously, but that's when coyotes are out and have a little bit less guard. Right. And I think they, uh, I think actually they do, a lot of those guys will hunt the full 24-hour or 48-hour period, you know, with very little sleep or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's how you win some of those contests. But um, but they're doing some of the some of the contests now that I've I've heard about is a lot of them are going to you know not a lot, but I've heard some going to daytime only. That's what I I read one. uh, There was a flyer that I saw that it it specifically said no night hunting, Um, and that's what kind of made me want to talk about it today because we we did it um, well several. We did a Obviously, lot. Obviously, several times, but... Why don't you... I don't like night hunting. No, I, I was going to say, it. I think I'll speak for all of us. It's not our cup of tea, and I and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I and we like to see the coyotes coming in, you know, bombing in or whatever, and at night, you just don't get that. They... 100%. And we have been in the business of filming for, you know, 15 years, and you can get some good lights and real powerful lights, but again... They're only showing up real good at, you know, 100 yards, maybe an in, 50 yards and in, where you really get to see. And I don't like that. Oh, we had that. Remember we had, or we have some of the best FLIR yeah, I, uh, night vision technology that's out there. Yeah. We had the, the scope adapters. We had that spotlight deal. We had all that stuff. And yeah, you, you kind of see just, a, a white and gray. You see the, the light or the eyes. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. Then yeah, the one we killed in Mexico, I remember walked walked out on the road, remember, and it was kind of like, oh, oh, there he is, bang, yeah. and it's over. I think that's I a the, big part of their behavior. They're not in a big hurry. They're just the the filming aspect of it, the entertainment aspect of it, adrenaline, all the stuff that we enjoy about the 
you know, the, what we do during the daytime, you just don't get any of that at nighttime. Yeah, I, I'd, I've, and, and just looking at, you know, the footage that's out there in, in, in the ether, you know, it's coyotes that are basically sauntering along, walking and taking their time, even sitting and laying down. And yeah, just the, the footage from the standpoint of that, it's, yeah, I think it lacks. And that's where, also. that's the only reason as far as me is dreadful. I'm not bad mouthing night hunters no. at all. I go out and kill whenever you want to. I like it, but for me personally, yeah, I, I love seeing them bomb in for a mile, you know, yeah. 500 yards or whatever yeah. it is. I love that. If you're in the, yeah, like numbers and, and winning contests or yeah, producing fur, go for it. I don't do contests either. Right. And I think uh, we even choose our daytime stands based on the visual of it, right? Because oh, yeah. you can hunt flats. Get down but, in there with a shotgun and sit with yeah. real thick, 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 and and they'll come right, right over to you. But you don't ever get to see them until they're standing right on top of you. So that we choose our a lot of it, I guess, based on the camera. But even when we fun hunt, we choose the same kind of stands where you can kind of see them and oh yeah, and I think it's run. going back to the the kind of tie and flies type of analogies. It's you're tricking them a little bit more. You have to you have to do a little bit more to to be successful yeah, on, sure. a, on an average basis during the daytime. Versus the nighttime, would, you can get away with a, with say. quite a bit more at nighttime. Yeah, because the, the movement for sure, obviously. Yeah, and you're out. Maybe in Mexico. Well, yes, in Mexico because we do it. <laughs> but I don't know many places if you're trying to get them in close where you could sit in a truck because most night hunters sit on mm-hmm. their rack systems where you could sit in a truck and call coyotes and be successful. Yeah, remember, remember we saw that guy out in Austin that had just he hunted out of thing. his truck the same way, you know. But there again, tire you, tracks up to the to the you could see where his collar was. Reach so out he goes in reverse, goes back a hundred yards. Remember, he had kind of a long uh, like yeah. handle, so he never even he had never, to get out of the truck. He just yeah. right set it down. Yep, yep. Then back but again, up. efficiency wise, you can call a lot of stands. Right. You're 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 just banging it, and you know the the terrain you're calling too. Typically, that's going to be very flat, which is worth discussing you know sometimes during the day that type of country even with the filming but it just it's much more difficult to hunt a really flat flat which we have a lot of that in nevada is just a i mean you know you have mountains and then you have this just almost like a dry lake bed with sagebrush in it and that's how you're going to want to call at nighttime so you do get a chance to see those those eyes light up at least at a distance out so it does give you the opportunity to hunt country that you might not necessarily be able to hunt during the day um, and well, that's, that's what that guy was hunting, right? He was very yeah, flat. Flat, flat, flat. We would have never called that flat. And again, even if I was, even if you could, which obviously people are successful at it day and night hunting out of trucks, just like that. He wouldn't do it if he wasn't successful. Right. So it goes back to me personally, they would never bomb up to five yards and shoot him with a shotgun sitting in your truck. No, never. Yeah. It's not gonna and happen. that's what I love. I love tricking an animal. What a, a turkey, a coyote, whatever it is, to be able to get them as close as possible. Isn't it kind of so. isn't it kind of jump jump shooting, you know, sneaking up on a pond and and, and getting some <laughs> yeah. you know twelve mallards to jump up in front of you and it's it's fun and it's got its yeah. it's got its positive. Not knocking but, anybody, but but calling something like into your do. your decoy spread and having it light in your decoy spread is probably a pretty good equivalent to it's a lot to you know shotgunning a coyote over the top of a call in the middle of the day. So it's a lot more funner. But yeah, it is <laughs> a lot funner. <laughs> no, I like to, uh, or I, I was just thinking that guy, it's probably more of a numbers. Oh, 100%. You know, game to, well, and I think we, yeah, I guess I shouldn't act surprised like I just figured that out. But for a guy that, you know, he's probably calculated, if you want to be a really good 
contest winner. You know, maybe that's what winning that buckle or whatever it's 50 it is. 50 sands a day instead of like we Correct. do 20 because it takes 10 minutes, 15 right. minutes right. to walk from the truck, mm-hmm. sit down, go get your collar, take a picture, take pictures, all that, all that stuff, yeah. 20 minutes back remember, to your truck. And then remember our boy in Wyoming, you know, he would run and do his yeah, call. They jogged in there. And, you know, yeah. two guys, minimal equipment. And they, you know, basically set their clock. They call for a certain amount of time, no action, up, run, grab the call, go back. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a different game, which I contest calling is, I mean, it's fun. I don't think we would do it as often if we, if we had that kind of approach, you wouldn't, you would do it for a contest that you wouldn't do it like we like to do it to go out for a weekend and, and enjoy the, the hunting and the camaraderie part of it. That's almost like it's work. Right. Well, and I think they enjoyed, you know, well, you could tell they really enjoyed getting at that, you know, that banquet dinner or whatever, you know, that the check in to have a couple beers with the guys and then and then kind of, you know, the competition starts and you're out, you know, you want to win, you know, and, 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 you know, they were not not bad mouthing each other, but, you know, the the different styles, because there again, you're just trying to get the numbers right. So there were guys remember ripping around on quads and, you know, guys accused of picking up dead ones on the road you know just well that's that's the thing now you you see how many rules are now in place for these contests as far okay now no night honey now you have to film everything right 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 now, now you have to prove it's time stamped on film when you kill it now that you know your wood block in the mouth there's all these things because there's big money in them now right and which is fine i have no problem with that but for it brings out that illegal aspect of not coyote hunting rules to the contest. To the contest. So yeah, if you there's no you know if me and you went out and Clinton who uh, Chad went out hunting, supposed to be two separate teams, but at the end of the day they gave us their coyotes, right? Yeah, and you, I, can, you, you can, can. There's so many little and so but they keep coming up with it. now. There's contests that, that recently uh, you have to take lie detector tests. The top three or five teams you have to take lie detector tests Isn't that at crazy? the contest. So okay. Why not just the ethical hunters? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So no, pe- people, know. people get. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say people get that. So that's crazy. now why Arizona's brought it up. Nevada now they're talking about yep. ending contest. Yep. Now it's in the news because there's so much attention brought to it from not only the money aspect but all our guys doing something illegal that they shouldn't be doing because they're trying to win that money where they wouldn't otherwise do it. Yeah. So that's a whole other ball game as far as if it's just contest and you're doing everything right and I see no problem with it. But does that bring out something illegal in someone doing trying to win that buckle or money or gun or whatever it is at, at the contest? Yeah, it, it's we should bring in some coyote contest people. I remember when I was like 16, I went chuck hunting out to uh, out by Gerlach and we were you know, sitting around the campfire drinking a soda or whatever, and uh, these dudes pulled up in a Jeep Wagoneer. I'm 40, so, you know, it was a tape. It was a tape. They had a cassette uh, tape. Collar? No. Oh, you're chuck hunting, sorry. No, well, yeah, but these guys were coyote hunting. Oh, okay. But what they did in that four-door Jeep Wagoneer, dude, is they rolled all the windows down, and they put that cassette tape into the to the and had it car. No, just into the tape deck and then turn the speakers up hella loud. And they'd sat there and, you know, like you said, waited for him to come in. That was Johnny Miller, I think. 24 years ago that, you know, those guys were out doing contest calling like that, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess is 
you're going, it breeds greed, I guess. Right. You're going to have all that stuff in there. So getting rid of contests to get rid of stuff illegal, I guess maybe. But if you're going to do things illegal, you're going to do them regardless, right? Yeah. What I, your, I think the part that we might be missing a little bit too, what's your guys' thoughts on similar to what we've talked about before um, is it's a much more popular activity sport than it ever was before. Yeah. You know, I would say that time frame those guys were playing those cassettes, coyote hunters were probably in that really small niche group just like trappers. I never heard of it before I ran And so as a, as a result of it becoming just a much more popular thing and people are – or which is a, it's a good thing that more people are getting into it, but it does have its drawbacks. Where hey, let's let's enter a let's enter a contest, you know, and and let's see how we do. And you're going to have that, you know, not the seasoned grizzled veteran that they've followed the same rules. They're all part of the same club. They all know each other. They're going to know if a guy's breaking the rules, or you know, they're going to have that reputation. Whereas there's so many new people into the sport that I would imagine trickles over into into a calling contest that that's why we're probably starting to see a bit more regulation of it and all that. That's, that's, that's a thought on my part. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but I would think there's a I mean, certain element that's true. Never really thought about that way, but it would make sense. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I never thought about it either, but yeah, as the prizes go up or whatever, the money goes up that, you know, if, if you saw a flyer, like I saw a flyer that said you could win a thousand bucks for, yeah. When in this con- contest, you start learning how to coyote think or something about, like that. Think about World Series of Poker. I yeah. That's a great... Yeah. I just, you know, just thinking about it off the top of my head. I mean, think about I can remember the guy's name. What was it? Moneymaker, right? It was, that was literally the guy's name. Chris From Moneymaker. Vegas, right? And he was an amateur that won it. And that's, I believe, when I was in PT school. And that's... Down in Vegas. So we're talking, let's just say, the last 20 years before that... You know, you had a little small... 300 uh, people would ...poker play. table at Binion's Horseshoe... You know, club and that, yeah, exactly. You were the World Series poker champion and you beat 50 guys and they all knew each other. They all, you know, pretty much, you know, they could, you know, the tails and the bluffing and all that kind of stuff. It was a small niche group. Fast forward 10 years and then again, 20 years, you've got guys that are, Chris, he you know, won. it's all about numbers and, and it's, 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 they got all these equations in their head and they know it's a 17% chance on the flop and all this kind of stuff. I'd imagine the coyote hunt has got a similar kind of thing. There's just that many more guys in it for various reasons too. And they're using new technology and um, it's just a completely different game than those guys like a, what's the uh, Doyle Brunson, you know, like Doyle Brunson, you pick your old time, those guys playing those cassettes, they were in that little niche group. And now you've got, you've got some internet guy that, is famous for making millions of dollars on the on the internet and and they're winning these or or challenging in a lot of these tournaments and things and they're probably doing some stuff. I've been reading some stories or some really shady stuff that they've been they've been doing on the edges of cheating. Yeah. And uh it's got to be the same kind of thing, so. Yeah, and I'm not I'm again if coyote hunter contesters out there, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I'm just it breeds it. There's got to be there's a reason why they're putting things in place if it wasn't happening. If it wasn't happening, they wouldn't have to put these in place. Well, and, it wouldn't, and it wouldn't have to be brought up in legislature to try to get rid of it because it's even being brought up now here in Nevada. It did last time and it didn't pass, but it's being brought up again to to the gaming commission. Is it gambling and is it regulated by the gaming commission so not just because of its hunting and, and the antis get, wanting to get rid of them because they're contests and there's money, but then you go, well, a coyote's not even a game animal in Nevada, so you 
the, the commission doesn't really have any say in it, but they're bringing it up now to the gaming commission. Because you're winning money. Because you're winning it. money and betting and gaming and this and that because there's now a biggest rabbit contest in it. I yeah. mean, there's there's a, a bunch of side bets now too, right? You can you can do a whole bunch of stuff, and, and they're being brought up. Last time the commission said, no, it doesn't even concern us. But the more you press and the more, I mean, now it's, you know, there's <laughs> big, well, big money in it. So, you know, if you do a, uh, you know, if you have a charitable event and you want to raffle off a motorcycle, yeah. you have to go to the gaming board for that. You know, because it's a monetary thing that it's a game of chance, yep. right? You you got a chance to win this through a raffle legally, and it's over a certain amount. You know, you could raffle off whatever. But if you get into that higher dollar stuff, you have to go to the gaming board. And like you said, when there's big money involved in a contest, I imagine they'll pass that sooner or later. That sooner or later, you'll you'll at least have to get a permit. I don't think they'll ever do away with contest calling, but they'll make you start getting whoever's it's putting already, it on. Well, I don't know if you don't say that because it's already been. In a couple states already been done. Yeah, or maybe they might. Yeah. Are out, and it's more antis versus mm-hmm. the gaming side, gaming commission side, like we're talking gambling. But the antis keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And soon enough, they get two or three guys on the board. That, and, and they, okay, two or three guys board now say, well, we have to regulate this coyote because we never have before. But now they get regulated, and then they could shut it down and do everything else with it. I, so, I agree. On the anti side, it could be shut down for that. But the gaming side they would just make you get a permit yeah. you know what i mean they'll just they'll make some money off of it but yeah you're you're right if you get too many of the uh antis in in the in the commission on that commission or in the commission's ear yeah i could definitely see it being taken down for mm-hmm. animal rights side of it i mean 100 percent. they're they're they've won that before you know and the more they win the more it spreads i guess I don't contest hunt, so. Yeah, I, I mean, and <laughs> so, yeah, you kind of selfish. You're like, well, mm-hmm. if they shut it down, then maybe will the coyote hunting be better because there won't be used contest? <laughs> but I don't want to take anybody's chance away hunting. If that's no. the only chance they go hunt, then, then they go hunt. But there's also an aspect of, do, do you, I mean, <laughs> there's so many little intricacies of it, but if it if there weren't such good prizes, then there wouldn't be that more, there would just be the more the pride aspect. Sure. I won the contest and I'm better caller than you because I killed 10 coyotes right. versus I'm doing something maybe on the little shady side illegal to win the money. Not about the pride aspect of winning the contest. It's more about the prizes. So do you lessen the prizes and put in some more of, I don't know, a, a prize of pride ship versus the monetary or rifles or something, you know, have a a grand prize of something of a rifle, but not so high that people are willing to risk doing stupid, illegal stuff to try to win. There's cheaters and everything. And and I just remembered, remember back in the day when fishing, uh, you know, the fishing derbies and contests, they they were catching guys pouring the, you know, lead shot down the fish's mouths, trying to get a heavier, you know, get a heavier fish. And then, you know, so now the fish has to be alive and, you know, they've they got to adapt all these rules to the people that they, cheat, so which is yeah, funny. Did, and I don't, and it's funny you see this because I don't watch a lot of Bassmasters or Elite Fishing or any of that. But I, for the first time ever, I was, I don't know, I can't remember. It was here on a goose hunt down with me with Rocky in California, but watching this, it was on TV. It wasn't really watching, right? It was just in passing. And they were weighing, you know, back in the old days, what happened? You would put them in the live well. You would 
pull your boat into the system and you would pull them out and they would weigh them in front of everybody, like in a grandstand in front of everybody on a scale. Um, now this contest, and it was a Bassmasters, it wasn't the classic, like the big one, but it was a smaller event where they, they had a judge on every boat and they were weighing them right there and releasing them. So I don't know if that has like what Probably. you're talking about. You know, because yeah. some dudes might pour, still be doing that or waterlog, or, or, or you got a five pounder waiting in the freaking live well, you know, before you even start your competition. You know, what's yeah. what stops you from that? You know, they, so, I'm sure they look at the boat, but they they can't be at every boat. Yeah. So now you got a guy on every boat. Yeah. I was, I was the other day, they did it and uh, it was, it was a total weight. There was a, it was a timed event, you know, whatever it was. And usually you, like in the five, it's like your five biggest your five, fish, yeah. right? Well, now it was a total weight. Like you, you catch him, if you, you don't have 50. to release him. You caught 50, you caught 50, whatever it is. But he's weighing each one right there on the boat. And I've never seen a judge on a boat before like Me that. Me neither. That's crazy. So I don't know if that's because of people doing stuff there. But yeah. So now do you have to have a <laughs> a, a guy go out with your team coyote hunting every time? To, to make it legal? I mean, you you could see the world's turning into something like that, right? Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know how many teams get into it, but the filming part of it, you know, that was the newest regulation that I've seen that. Yeah. That would make it phone. that would make it pretty hard to cheat, you know, but I mean, good. You you know about video manipulation more than anyone, dude. Yeah. I mean, someone will, you know, oh, someone awesome. will find unless, you know, really, like you said, unless you've got a independent person st sitting on every stand with you or whatever it, I, it, there's a way do you get paid off now right there's so many little things so uh, yeah. you can keep saying whatever but it just goes down be ethical folks it'd be interesting be to, to get somebody on that's you know really in in that I, I i'm thinking of more of the old somebody who comes from the old school as far as calling and uh you know see what's driving that we're we're speculating because yeah, really, exactly. we're not in that world but it'd be interesting to see if we're on on target or are we just way off base i I have a feeling, you know, there's one part of regulating something. If it's, let's just assume it's, you know, this, this, I would say it's regulation with all these extra rules and yeah. judges and filming and all this is basically you're regulating the activity. What if that's being driven by the old school guy that's trying to sit there, you know, look what's happened to what I used to do 20 years and how, how it's different now and they don't like it. So yeah. let's make it. You know, let's make it more difficult. Let's put more regulation on what we do, so that'll it's going to push out some of the activities that's either bringing it a bad name or it's not as enjoyable for them anymore. All the stuff that they've had to do as far as checking in and the accommodation. I just would, I my gut tells me that that's probably what's driving it. It's that old school, um, you know, the the people that have been doing that stuff for a long time and they don't like the changes that are happening and. And also the the intention that all the extra exactly. activities bring it in because you know you're going to show up to your little uh, you know bar on North 395 and you got protesters there because We've they got, got word through the internet and they don't they don't like that they don't like the attention they want to they want to do what they've always done and I wonder if this is yeah. just an attempt to kind of push at that. You know what's funny is if and I don't I'll speculate this but I guarantee I'm pretty pretty much right on right so you used to have. Like you said, the old school guy is calling, and that's what it was. You know, you had a, you had twenty four hours to go out and call as many stands as you could. Yeah. Well, that was probably you know night hunting never even was a factor. It was you know yeah you got twenty four hours, but that means you got you you can drive all night out to you know Elko and hunt all day, and then you got the time to drive home. 
Then it turns into a guy goes, man, I got this night vision set up from whatever. We could, we could shoot coyotes at night. And they said you got 24 hours. So then yeah. some somebody starts hunting at night, and the guy that doesn't have that equipment's going, this is BS. Yeah. Th- this is a calling contest. You know, it used to be sun up to sundown, you know, yeah. and so now you got you this go. guy with a night. So now everyone gets some night vision or whatever. And then it, it, it just keeps steamrolling, right? Well, no one said I couldn't run them down, you know, with my snowmobile out in the flats and run them over and put them in the truck. No one said I couldn't pick them up off the side of the road. So you see how the dominoes just keep kind of falling to where it started as a calling contest. And now it's just, you know, however you can get as many as you can, but it's got to be you, you know, and you can't pick up dead ones and stuff like, you know, but it's evolved into, and like Clint said, these old time guys are going, wait a minute, this was a calling contest. It's supposed to be calling coyotes in, shooting them and going on and, you know, whoever's the best caller wins. Now it's who's the most ingenuity, you know, in, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> in- <laughs> I'm going to sit here and laugh at you until you find it figured out. In- ingenuitive. That's not it, is it? What is it? Say it. That's a new word. Yeah, let's let's go with that. Ingenuitive. Ingenuitivity. Funner. What was it? Funner. You don't know the word either. You know what I'm trying to think. The guy that's the guy that can figure out the best way to kill him may or may not be calling them. What's the word I'm looking for? In. Oh, my God. Could somebody call in? Give me this word. <laughs> if you're an innovator. I know what you're trying to say. The most innovative person would, would win that Nailed calling it. contest. Nailed it. Talked yourself through it. Right. Um, no, I, I 100% agree with that. And, and you see that in because of all the rules that are now in place. They If one person did it. And you know it's got it's, it reminds me back in doing real estate um, where everybody in Fernley got flooded. Remember when the ditch broke out there yeah. and all those houses got flooded? Where previous to that there was no disclosure of being in a floodplain, which they're not in a floodplain, right? Yeah, it just happened. Yeah. Just it, but now every time you buy and sell a house in Fernley, there's a disclosure that you could get flooded out. Right. That you have to sign off on because there's a lawyer who, you know, sued the, the Tumwa or whoever owns that ditch system, a house, a homeowner sued him because it broke. And now there's a disclosure in the real estate world that, that you're in a floodplain, even though it's not a floodplain. Right. So, so the first guy that went out and, you know, snared a bunch of coyotes, yeah. then they went, wait a minute, it's calling this contest. calling contest. <laughs> well, you never said I couldn't snare him. Yeah. So now that next year, well, now you, you know, it's calling contest and you can't snare him. Then that guy went out and ran him down with a snowmobile or whatever. Oh, you can't do that. It's which calling you, contest. Which you see on the... Did, yeah, didn't yeah. say I couldn't do it. You know, so now, yeah, like you said, you got 10 pages of disclosures to get into yeah. this calling contest. And then you go, well, how can you... How can you... <laughs> there's a guy that's going to go, well, you're discriminating against me because I don't own a phone. I own a flip phone. How am right. I supposed to record? How am I supposed to videotape I, I it? I'm not... Yeah, I'm not... And so... Anyway, we kind of got off on a big, tr- totally different topic that we were going to talk about today that that uh, sort of ties in it does but that calling contest is like pandora's box man it you is. can get into that it's thing and we don't even do it but it's just you know we we know some guys that do it and yeah. I, I agree with clint earlier said we should get someone in like we should bring russ in here and have him russ talk about it and and i can get al morris because he's al big too, he, yeah. he, he, he actually the started the world that's what i was going to talk about when you, you mentioned uh the old timers where yes coyote hunting and you, you're a world champion okay well did did you call coyotes in Texas or did you call them in Pennsylvania or did you call them? So now are you really a world champion? Cause 
what you do in Nevada doesn't work in, it might work, but it doesn't really work in Kentucky versus this versus that. So technique. So now there's, there's, I don't remember if they started two years ago. Yeah. That regional, the, more, more, it's more regional deal. You have to, you have to qualify in two or three or four of whatever it is, how many qualification across the country. So Western, maybe Southern, Northern and Eastern kind of deal where you had to qualify in two out of the four, three out of the five, whatever it was to be able to, now a contest, and then they, then you're into the major one in Arizona or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, is speaking so, of speaking of Pandora's box because wasn't there there was some contention there because guys were going down to Mexico, hundred percent. So you would sign in it in in Arizona yeah. and blast down across the border, which if you've watched any of our prior uh, footage, it's insane down there. You yeah. could easily kill. You know, 25, 30 coyotes, if you're set up to do that and you know where to go down there and then come right back over to the state's border and turn them into that contest and no one would ever know. I mean, and no. yeah. And what's your what's your intuition on um, 20 years ago, What just if you took 10 of the top contests, you know, what was the average amount of coyotes that hmm. won it? versus now and that's no that's idea. probably part of it i'm i'm sure it's gone up right well i was surprised when we went to wyoming for that one it wasn't very many that won well, it. that's what i was gonna say i would say no well that, I, you know, that's I just would, one individual one that happened to be right. the best of the west but i'm talking if you just average it out over time to take to take into well, account different weather and you know sometimes you hit a perfect weather weather situation yeah, all that. you don't but I would, I would. You're saying that the numbers have gone down that win the contest. If you're talking daytime hunting, which worlds are, I believe, is only daytime. I, I don't t quote me because I'm not a coyote or a contest guy. Never done it. Um, but the ones that are winning are killing these coyotes at night. And yes, you do get twenty, thirty coyotes at night. But if you're doing daytime calling contest only, it's I would say way down because Which, not only are there is more coyote hunters out there, there's more contests than ever because people love doing it and there's more pressure on these coyotes are getting educated. And I would say the numbers for the winner of daytime contests is down on average versus 20 years ago. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. of the daytime part of it, that regulation has brought it back down to what it probably used to be. I well, would, I, I would sure that's true. I believe that, the five, it was five was the qualifier for the for the western you have to branch of that five the five to get day. in on Saturday and I heard that like nine won it where I know two or three years ago it was like fourteen won it or yeah something like so that. now see that's the thing completely different the the last one that Russ was just in and I talked to him about I think it might have been the Western Worlds or Nevada State I think it was the Nevada State I think the new rules of the Nevada State are. You have to get five the first day, regardless, to qualify to even come the second day, to right. be there to win. And then, not the total number of coyotes, it's five again and the first to check in. That's it. it there's no 20 coyotes. There's no as many as you can. And there still might be the biggest dog, smallest dog side bet deals, but I'm I'm 99% right. sure where it's... Because it's, Russ... He went far away from the contest the first day and got his five in. And it's just a check-in, I believe. You don't have to drive back to call. You have to either send a video or call and say, yes, I killed five. 
and w- with with video footage because if you don't have five on film then you can't be there for, i can't remember right. the little intricacies if you have to check in again on that second or the second night you know of the contest to go into the second day so it's five check in and if you've killed five then you're allowed to hunt again the second day and then you kind of get closer to the contest right because if you killed five in Southern Nevada when it's an Elko, you ain't you're never going to win regardless of you killed five, right? Because you got to be back with your five. Sooner than anybody right. else that's killed five. And then if no one else kills five. It, uh, if Different no one, scoring system comes yeah, into no, play If no one kills five the second day, it's nine or eight or whoever kills the most. And then if that, and then it goes to wait after that. So that might be a good way of checking, reining in the illegal stuff a yeah. little bit because if you're not trying to kill 20 it's okay that we have to make our five best stands real quick and get back but there's still an aspect of trying to again yeah, if you miss <laughs> if you if they weren't there if you yeah I'm, it's a whole strategy you gotta you gotta plan on scouting <laughs> you gotta yeah, do a lot of stuff you, you gotta be yeah, closer to that check-in point than you than you used to be so i would still say to your answer, Clint, I think if you're doing daytime numbers, I think the average are down because there are a lot more contests and there's a lot more people hunting coyotes, even though there's still only like 1.5 million coyote hunters in the country. That seems like a lot when we're out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last time we went coyote hunting, which we thought was going to be insane, we walked out on a lot of foot tracks and sat down on a lot of padded <laughs> where some pads were right. sitting in the sand. <laughs> still still laughing about finding those shooting sticks on yep. that really great stand in Ely yep. too. I mean, you, yeah, it, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's getting popular. It's, and I don't think we've ever talked about it, but we have footage and we found on a stand, a gun a long time ago. How, how many years ago was that when we found that gun? Honestly, we walked out, we called, we killed a coyote and walking back, not 10 feet from where we were, there's a, a gun, a two twenty three, old, old, old gun, um, in a sagebrush, leaning up against sagebrush. Like he, you know, went down to piss or pick, pick up a coyote, or, a coyote. or whatever and walked out and then couldn't find it or totally forgot about it and never, but I have it sitting in the safe out there. Yeah, it's, it's a mini 14, isn't it? Or I believe, a, I believe it's a 223. Yeah, yeah it's a mini 14. Mini 14. Sure. Yeah. And I called. No I, scope, no nothing. No, no nothing. All rusted. Can't open the can't open the action or anything. And I called uh, FBI. I called ATF. I called every everybody to give them the serial number and asked if it was, you know, in a crime, if they knew about it, anything like that, if there anything stolen, reports, anything like that, and there was nothing. So I still have it in the safe. If anybody was in Nevada hunting coyotes, I don't know, probably 20, 30 years ago, and uh, That's my gun. lost a 223, <laughs> I have it in the safe. They found one in southern Nevada. Uh, it was a big game oh, rifle. Oh, yeah, did you see that? Leaning yeah. up against a tree? That was cool, that too. That was really cool. How pissed would you be if you forgot your gun? I found two... Uh, shotguns in the Stillwater marsh at the boat dock guys pulled you know came up out of the marsh this is 15 years ago again 20 years ago and they were awesome guns and uh they were leaned up like you just got out and loaded your truck up and were taking your waders off and everything and you set your guns off to the Ooh. side and pulled out and i found them but i got them back to the guys there i found them either through i think it was through the nickel one ads that's how long ago <laughs> it was they put an ad out in the found nickel one ads guns. and uh anyway got those back to those people <laughs> but 
Yeah. You, you wonder who blamed who on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you I, said you were grabbing the guns. You remember uh, years ago, we we left one of our cameras out. You know, you just get oh, yeah. you get moving around and forget about stuff. But we we went back and got that camera. It's not in the nickel one ads. <laughs> I've I've uh. Are they still around? I don't think so. It's called Deals and Wheels now, oh. but different different ball game. No personal ads in there. Is that is that camera you're talking about? The one that crashed into a tree when Clay was driving in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that the one? Different camera, but almost that's took my head off on top of it. But yeah, that's a hell of a story. Yeah, there's some cougar tracks down there too. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. No, no need to investigate those though, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the what we sort of more on more on point of just day versus night on not in the aspect of uh, contest calling. Let's just talk day versus night hunting, not in terms of contest just for if you you know i i can see it i mean i i think that everybody's looking for a reason to to get out in the desert right and hang out with their friends and do whatever i yeah. mean I, I don't know that maybe people are going out there by themselves and doing it i mean i i think we we all agree it's really not for us but at the same time there's a lot of people that are they really like buying that gear right that that's a thing i i promise you i i I talked to if you talk to Russ about it, he's like, "Wait until you see what this new thing I got." Right, and it's I'm I'm looking for you know whatever, and it's this five ten thousand dollar night vision scope, and mm -hmm. I'm just like, "Holy Jesus!" And it's and that's in every sport, right? There, there's golfers that you know they get a new driver every year, and then right. there's golfers like me that have had the same one for ten years, and it's just You're a lot a of the high you get from your hobby or sport is buying that stuff oh, yeah. people people love that stuff and i think that's that's part of night vision right night night hunting not night vision buying the night vision to night hunt you know like you said russ is like dude yeah. wait till you see this and i hear it's funny because i hear people they're like man have you seen that night vision stuff that's out there ten thousand dollars for a you know yeah. for a camera or a scope attached and it's like yeah and people are buying it oh, and yeah. they're loving it dude and then so is that is there like you're saying yes the it's the best of the best you know kind of deal is it military aspect are the people I mean you're because that's not a night vision stuff is not like a layman's you know yeah, thing no. to, to have or own and so there might be a little bit of that night you know it's war, cool war, yeah. cool yeah, there yeah. but I think a lot of it has to do with again the popularity of coyote hunting and being successful. Yeah. Everybody wants to be successful when you're hunting, right? So if you, now everybody goes out there and pushes an e-collar during the day and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing. They go, well, hell, let's, let's try night hunting. You know, it's because I, it's, you know, like you're saying earlier, Clint, that their guard is a little bit down. That's when they're more active hunting. Have we pushed by making coyote popular, to, I mean, we have a little bit. People have told us that they would never got into it if it wasn't seeing what we did. But people did it long before we ever did. But sure. making it a little bit more popular, um, are we our own fault? And have we pushed coyotes into being more nocturnal? I, I literally just heard yesterday, and I'm sure you guys hear it all the time. When, when are you going to take me coyote hunting? We've tried it like 500 times. We can't get anything to come in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that that's kind of plays into what you just said is it your success rate going to go up at night you know it, it, have we yeah have we made coyotes more i think nature made them more active at night you know what i mean they that's what that's when they want to hunt you oh, know yeah, they for sure. 
same with you know big mule deer and all that they're all roaming around at night they feel a little bit more comfortable i guess it, it probably knocks the predator aspect of their life down just being at night you know i think that's that's one part of night hunting too that i think just generally predators are, are more active so one positive to it i would imagine you're going to call in different game you're going to call in foxes oh yeah way more often you're never pretty much never badgers in the daytime bad you know so that would i would say put one in the positive column if you're not just looking at killing coyotes um you're gonna have a chance of calling in foxes cats those kinds of things so there's a guy a guy i follow on instagram that all he does is fox hunting at night you know that's his that's his gig i remember well our buddy jim sailing he one of another trapper is sitting in the same deal. He loves, I can't remember exactly. Oh, no, I do remember where it's at. I'm not going to say because he loves doing it. But here in Nevada, he that's all he targets. Foxes? He, the foxes. We at, saw that, at night, foxes. That I can remember, we, we had that one red fox on a stand out there remember, north. Yep, but exactly you typically don't see them. I mean, they're typically not, for us, calling, calling in the daytime. Uh, yeah, just either trapping them or... At night, calling them. Trapping them, you run into them quite a bit. Yeah, the little, foxes. little kit foxes and stuff like that. You let them go. I think another aspect we haven't touched on is is going back to kind of more rules and laws and things is uh, discharging a firearm after shooting hours kind of thing, you know, county to county and that part of it. Mm-hmm. Night, um, night hunting period is county to county, at least in Nevada. Yeah. I mean, we ran into that when we were trying it out. Is it's not, it's not legal in definitely Washoe and Clark County. And do you guys remember there was a weird one too, where like you you've got to be so far away from a federal building, courthouse, or police station to discharge a firearm at night, yeah. even in the counties that allow uh, night hunting. And some of them have, tell you to check into the sheriff. Yeah, remember there was a couple. Yeah, of you had you to let to the guy know that in. you're going to be doing it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You don't you know out there shooting when people are driving by or. Has the, has the law adapted? I was just thinking because th- so there's basically two parts to that. There's you know, there's nothing to say that you can't drive around at nighttime and and put and here's where I'm going with it: red lights or green lights or a spotlight. And obviously, if you're doing that and you don't have a gun with you, you kind of wonder what you're doing. But there's that part of it: the discharge of the firearm and then spotlighting. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. So has the, has the law caught up? Because if you're spotlighting, you know, you, come, you pull up to a field and you spotlight because you know there's mule deer in this alfalfa field. I believe that's illegal in some of our counties, yes. period, let alone what your intent is. And if you have yeah. a firearm on you, spotlighting is illegal because you're disrupting the animal, right? Behavior-wise. Right. No, that's you're what's driving right. that. So now, because we, we know in Washoe County, at least the way we could go out and we could film um, and we could use red lights and green lights and film and get footage of animals, but we're, we, you couldn't shoot them. You couldn't discharge the firearm. And I believe you could not spotlight them if you're within city limits and all that kind of stuff. But you get to a more rural county, you can do one or both. Um, but I, I wonder on the on the red lights and the green lights if that's still considered spotlighting. I Are forgot you, you that know, game harassment and that kind of stuff. Spotlighting is illegal in and in, in maybe it's county to county. But county I county. do remember back in the day you could yeah, not I'm, have a spotlight. It's it's. Funny, I'm not up on those laws anymore because we don't do it. Right. So obviously, if you're doing this, know your laws because there are a lot of laws like that that might get you in trouble if you're just out there trying to have fun and you think it's legal without checking. But uh, I mean, generally, nobody now with technology, nobody's spotlighting. It, you know, nighttime calling for for predators, coyotes in particular, but predators. 
nobody's spotlighting. Yeah, you're using right? the red and you're green. You're not spotlighting. And, and and infrared. And so the really the yeah. most likely the thing you've got to check with it, with your local government and your state government is the discharge of the firearm. That's going to be the part where you're not going to want to get in trouble there. Well, that, I mean, I think spotlighting more are the aspect of what we were talking about. Those big bucks are <laughs> out and about. At night, oh, yeah, and you're out there spotlighting them, and then oh, I know I killed them at day. Spotlighting those pivots. So that's that's more. I think spotlighting, especially, came into fruition because of that. People doing illegal shit to, to try to kill a big deer when they when they can't find it. You know, they know it's there, but it's only up at night. Yep, they're gonna kill them. So I I think obviously that law is still around. Um, but yeah, technology wise, your your red green light. That's I don't. I can't remember. I, I'd, I'd have to get back on the loss because, again, don't look, we don't do it at night. So Again, Russell, really. no. That's going to be our next next podcast. Hey, those those laws are going to end up having to encompass all that infrared and all that stuff, too, because I, I heard that this year that guys are watching those fields with those infrared lights, and you're watching that big buck eat all night long, and then they just watch them come out and mm. watch where they travel to under the cover of night and you know you got a you got a pretty good idea where that deer just bedded down if you watched him walk up a certain draw you know and, and they can watch him from a long ways now yeah. with that kind of technology so what happens so with anything technology advances and the laws always lag behind but yeah. eventually they do catch up so i'm thinking of um you know flying and now with the popularity of drones how for a while you could get away with that and now it's kind of the law is finally that's a lot now to yeah that. so um and that's probably where the spotlighting thing is because game harassment right you're going the game harassment route well it's really hard to prove intent from a law standpoint so it's like okay i wasn't i, I wasn't going to shoot the animal well i'm sure that the lawyers got together and just said well let's just make spotlighting illegal because 99% of the guys that are spotlighting deer are trying to do something that's bordering on illegal, so let's just make it a blanket thing. Yep. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. How, I, where you were, I thought you were going to go the other way. Intent of someone with the infrared light or infrared flur or whatever they call you know, all that stuff. I, I can bird watch during the day. If I like the ability to bird watch at night why can't i yeah if you want to see a bald eagle fly it whatever so well even if even if i, I want to see a big mule deer i mean you know, what's so it, that's, that's as a hunter and ethical it's like if you're doing that unethically to gain an advantage over that deer that's pretty i mean yeah why do you have to do that or if you're just out there because you want to see deer movement and you're an animal lover. And you, you want to see, see them big okay, deer that you cool. might not get to see during and, the day. And then you don't use that to your advantage to go kill them. I'm all for it. But but like he said, it, it's the intent thing. And, the, you know, obviously you're going to say, oh, I never knew I was going to shoot that deer. I just wanted to see him out there yeah. eating and stuff, you know. And then I happened to see a big one and I shot him. You know, so they just say, wait, it's, it's illegal. You can't do it. Period. It's like, ga- it's like a, uh, games now, you know. It's like a <laughs> Nintendo game. Yeah. You know. Night vision. We'll look at like trail cameras. Trail. You know, somebody came up with the idea. They're just, they're, they're on. Sorry, that's big time right now. Yeah. The news. They're outlawing them completely now. Yeah. And and I'm trying to anyway. You know, they they uh, it started out as something kind of harmless and cool. You know, you get picture. You know, get pictures of animals when you're not around. Yep. And and somebody 
and some people and they took it way 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 too far man now you know, 500 of them out there i was gonna say they own hundreds of them all right you go to southern nevada and get around the water holes where water sparse and i i know that like the arizona strip and stuff like that so oh, yeah. there'll be it's nothing to see 15 or 20 game cameras on the same pole on the same up. pole yep. facing the same water you know and they all you know write their names on them or put their logos on them and chain them down and now the pictures come right over to your phone you know they got bluetooth cell phone you know all that stuff they're watching them all 20 it, hey he's there tuesday at 2 a.m yep <laughs> the, the the underlying thing to a lot of what we've talked about today is you know when you're putting money into it so you know if you're a guide and that's the way you make your living and there's 10 other guys for competition you've got to get ahead of them a little bit and that's what it all boils down to because that trophy feet on that big mule deer, that big bull elk, is going to drive you to do things that are just a little bit on the edges. Whereas if you're doing it for camaraderie, sport, um, hunting, ethics, all those kinds of things, you don't have to worry about that stuff. And it probably goes back to daytime hunting and, and doing it for the reasons that most people are doing it. You're, you're, you're not going to have to consider a lot of this stuff I've that we're never, talking about. I've never... The only time I've used a trail, I've never used a trail camera big game hunting, ever. Never. And, you know, you say <laughs> good hunting, bad hunting, whatever. But I would never do that. I don't know if it's respect for the animal, money that I don't want to spend, uh, the way I was brought up hunting, uh, ethically. I don't know. what well, I, I've never really thought about it. The only time I've ever used a trail camera was on a on a trap. I, I wanted to see how animals reacted to the sets that we were making. If they came and smelt us, you know, to, to better myself as a trapper. Um, but I, it's not like um, trying to, God, it's weird. Well, you don't. I don't. I'm just trying to better yourself as a hunter, which you are. Is this like I'm, my uh, innovative... No, I'm trying to think. I'm just go, trying to go through my head of how I feel about trail cameras and does it make the person who uses it a better hunter or are they using it to not really a better hunter because as a better hunter, you'd have to find them at daytime, whatever, laying down, try to find their tips, glassing out there, trying to find it. Or does it make you a better ethical hunter because you're out there trying to find, you know, you, that animal's there and you, I don't know. <laughs> I think it, you know, I, I think there's I'm a, just trying to go through my thought processes right. on, on in the midst of it. There's a, there's a, there's for sure a, a, a reason, right? There's a time is one thing, right? You know, do you, do you have time to go out and scout for, you know, three, four five weeks before, if you want to kill a big deer? Yeah. Or do you go set up trail cameras one weekend, come back a week later, pull them all, pull the chips, go through them, and, hey, there's a good buck in this vicinity. Cut your scouting time down by a ton. Yeah. If you're an outfitter. Yeah, if you do it for a living, that's... You know. th that's a whole different ballgame, yeah. right? If you're an outfitter and you get paid to harvest big deer, you know, then, you know, you're going to use trail cameras because you need to figure out... I think a lot of them use them to show the clients, right? Hey, man, it's a 200 inch deer. Here's his pictures three, you know, three nights ago. You know, we can be in that general area. You still got to hunt, 
you know, but we're, we're that's where I've never used a trail camera either. Uh, I can't figure the stupid things out. So here's another <laughs> aspect to him that while you're talking, uh, yeah, sensitivity three feet away, nine feet no, away. Let me tell you, I've used a trail camera. I got 47 pictures of moss flying in front of the freaking sensor. <laughs> it's funny. I'm going back because obviously Clay and I grew up together, but yeah, not didn't was ever. not something that we ever did. I can think one time we did it archery hunting, northern Washoe County. Um, had this really hidden water hole that you had to hike back into, and we happened to be back in there, and we thought it was really the first time oh, we ever gave yeah, thought we to let's you know let's try try to do trail cameras. We'd never done it our whole life. I remember went that. back in there. You know, you figure you figure how many pictures it takes before that card fills up, and we got it was full. We got back. Yeah, we're like, like oh we, my, this is gonna be great. We're yeah. all excited. I remember we this. had <laughs> I don't remember ninety pictures or something of these mustangs that went into this water hole and frolicked around and laid in it and wallowed and and, and I think a, a, a hawk or two. And it filled the car up. I think up we had a little, like one or two pictures of a... Grass of a, of a fork and horn buck that had come into the thing and we had these mustangs. So that's the other part of it is, I mean, you're going to have to do that a lot to... I mean, if you're on a controlled area, like on a ranch, like our cousin Thomas, and he's got to show his clients those... He has, he has a lot more control. He's got feeders and things like that. They work perfect for that. But for the for the guys that are public land hunting and doing it like we do it, man, it's sometimes going to be a lot of work, and it's going to sometimes be a well, wasted you, work. Oh yeah, that's what you talk. You're now the technology is caught up to that, right? With the cell phone, and now they can send them to you. You don't even have to go check them. You could probably, I don't know, you could probably delete. The you know if your card fills up, delete it from your phone. Right from the it, I, you were. I don't have a problem with it. It goes back to the whole. I mean, a tree stand or baiting a bear and all the different techniques and and the way that that, that guys do it. We I don't have a problem with any Neither of them. Do I. I don't have a problem with trail cams at all. You still, as long as you don't do something unethical or unlawful, and that's I guess you're starting to open yourself up to that if you're only seeing that animal at nighttime on your trail cam but if you're using it for more information god bless you you still have to hunt you still have to do yeah. all the things to, to to harvest that animal so i don't have a problem but would with you trail cams. but would you know uh, this is what i was kind of the point i break i uh, was going to bring up when you were just talking about you know the guides and the 200 inches and i know the number one reason what i'm about to say is predators bar none but deer especially in Nevada, big game, big deer. Like you look at back, even when our dads were around, there was huge deer, you know, and they, they didn't even care about it. They threw it top, you know, in the back of their truck. They and, killed it in a red flannel shirt yeah, and blue exactly. jeans. And, and, and even, yeah, even it, they back, ate it. <laughs> even back before that in the fifties, there was pictures of 10 big deer on the tops of the trucks and there wasn't licenses and there wasn't limits really kind of. And so they just went out there and hunted and there were some big deer. But now, if you target those big animals that are going to spread their genes to the does and you're killing those off every year because you know of where they're at trail camera wise and you just pressure that one and is, is, am I off on there? No, does it have right. a little no, bit of, that's, that's, that's a, a factor for sure. Factor yeah. that they're not passing, they're able to pass their genes on because they're getting targeted so much. And now you would never see that deer at night knowing where he is and you can those big deer big for a reason yeah and they're using the night of safety and then go hide in some five foot tall juniper or sagebrush and you never see him so to be able to track them that way does that take 
that advantage away from them being ethical to them saying I'm growing old. And if it was just, you know, now though you don't get to pass their genes and now all we have is 120 inch freaking four by threes. Here's I'm hesitant to say it, but <laughs> I'm going to say it. What factor <laughs> we're not supposed to be talking about this, by the way. Uh, what factor did putting a scoring system in place for animals do to them? You know what I'm saying? Because like you said, in 1950, I don't know when the Boone and Crockett started, yeah, but I can tell you that our grandparents didn't, didn't know what a 200 inch, a big deer w- was a, was it just was a spread. big deer that, yeah. But a lot of times it was, 30, it was just 30 a 30 inch buck, buck a yep. 30 inch buck, 30 inch buck, you know, it yeah, could, but they, it didn't, could, yep. they didn't say a 30 inch buck to brag eh, 30 inch buck and yeah, you know, ate it, whatever. Yeah, but like matter. you said, it was a big, kind of like Lavorda's. You should see the track on that thing. And <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's where the yeah. 250 pound buck was yeah. a big buck. Yeah. And so when you go to like the, uh, the Martin in, uh, Winnemucca, yeah. they, they had those old, records that they used to keep and it's crazy to look at them dude because that 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 is what they measured right was the points the spread and then the pounds the the weight of the deer actually was in the ledger and in a lot of ways the points they that was like a who cares four by two 296 pounds you know and and they're oh my god 296 pounds or 35 inches wide you know three by two but dude you're I have a big three by two and that's why, you know, he's wide and heavy and it's like, man, that was like a cool buck. Yep. Now it's, you know, the inches and, and scoring better is, is based and on. So it's all now a contest and going to go back what contest. we kind of talked about. That's exactly what I was going to do. Bring it full circle back around. That's the equivalent to doesn't matter how you killed him, what distance you killed him out, what the footage potentially could have been like, what kind of hole you left in him. You win the contest with seven, and it's all about the number. Yeah, there's your there's your correlation to coyotes. Yeah, hundred hundred percent, and and it all ties together, right? Because it went from man two hundred two hundred you know two hundred fifty pound deer to, to, to now inches, right? And it's like, dude, doesn't matter if it's if it's got you know five points or you know a deep tined four point is how you score the best. You know, it's like. Somebody figured that out. You know, somebody brought a four by four in and there was a guy at that contest and went, well, I got a seven by eight. Well, yeah, but after your deductions, you know, yours is only, you know, 175 inch deer. This is a perfect four point. Then everyone, oh my God, I got to kill a perfect four point. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, there's people do it for different reasons. So if it gives it variety, Um, something I'd say about the coyote hunting, you know, as far as daytime hunting and footage of it on a camera or not but just the experience of you might have a day it doesn't matter about the numbers you know we've had some days that we'll never forget where we maybe killed two three four coyotes but the reaction of the coyotes the way that stand went down that's the memory the same as a as as chances bull elk hunt it you know he killed a nice seven by six bull but it's not it's not in the boone and crockett record book but who cares, right? Who cares? I mean, so there's, so part of part of the daytime hunting, you know, being able to see something, a coyote running a, a distance off in your binoculars and seeing how it finishes on top of a decoy, seeing how it how it uh, jumps over the top of a sagebrush and bites the feather, you know, even if even if that was the one coyote you killed that day, or or one of two or three, that's yeah. an epic day. Who cares? I mean, a seven or eight, and you won a contest. It's you know that it's it's just a different goal for a different guy. So, and yeah. we're doing the same thing. Is you're doing it ethically, 
you know, you're, you're following the laws and, and you're not disturbing your fellow hunters. I mean, that's the great thing about it. You can go out and do coyote, coyote contests and, and it doesn't matter about any of the stuff other than the, than the number. God bless you. Remember, remember that, uh, the coyote that ran in behind us after we killed that one and you shot it with that AK. Yeah. How many did we kill that day? No idea. No idea. But we'll remember that for the rest of our lives. Dude, that dog ran in while we were all standing up talking right behind us at 10, 15 yards, you know, and, and ran right out to the call. I couldn't tell you how many we killed that day, but I'll remember that for the rest of my life, dude. I, I, mean, I bet you no if we idea. called Eric right now, he would tell two stories, I'm sure, of coyote hunting with us, which he hasn't really done a lot. He'll tell one stand in Mexico. Guaranteed that'll be the yeah. first one he brings up, which was yeah, epic. And he'll talk about that that double right there that you yeah. know all of us will remember. And yeah, I don't think we had a decent day. You know, what's a decent day calling an average decent day calling in the in the daytime, factoring what in what we do as far as the setups and the pictures and the and the and the photography or the you know three to five filmography, yeah. but uh that's a that's a really good day. I mean, that's a really good day. I mean, seven coyotes in a day doesn't happen very often at all. Doing it the way we do it, so yeah, we those do. individual experiences is what it's about. Fiasco nine never pulled the trigger once, but had <laughs> <laughs> thirteen coyotes bombing in all around us or whatever. The most it was. I've ever called in on one stand was twenty one. Me and Chad Lemon Valley. No, they we, didn't. It's not on film. Yeah, we were. <laughs> it was with uh, doesn't count. God, what was that cat's name from Fallon? We started, we called with 21 came in off of the lake bed. And you on, you filmed that or you didn't film that? Didn't film it. Oh, wow. Me, Chad, the guy, I can't remember the blonde, his name. Right? Blonde, right? Blonde guy? How many did you kill? Zero. Did you try? Yeah. You kept missing them or what? No. Is that Ted? No, it wasn't no? Ted. And I could, I kind of, he had a very distinct way he called too. It's funny. I've never heard this story. Mouth never call? It, it was right, it was right by the lake. You know, we went in from the Red Rock Way and then came back over to that lake where, like, out by the airport, out there. I can't remember specifically. I know what you're talking about, yeah. But uh, 21, 21 coyotes. We did 17 in the northern Nevada, up by Nevada. Me and Chad did 17 there. Wait a minute. I might have missed what he said. Are you talking in a day? Are you talking on a stand? One stand. One stand. Yeah, my... uh, our records nine, right? I mean, if you ask, no, 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 Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. When we shot, when you guys shotgunned all those ones, there was, Oh, there was, which I guess, yeah, that's the different part of it, which is, is kind of cool. I mean, to have, to have them continue successively coming in that environment versus, you know, when, I would say Fiasco Nine's got to be a record as far as they all came at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you know, they were 13, right? all coming at the same time. Yeah, at least there stand- was nine that came like into the stand. Remember, and there was yeah. all those ones in the background. Yeah, we, yeah there, we, was, there was right. at least thirteen that but were. We had nine that were in our yeah, yeah, shootable you know, nine shootable coyotes. all at the same yeah. time. And you know, didn't kill any of them. And none. <laughs> never pulled the trigger. That's a record. Now this twenty-one is most likely you had some come same, in, and then yeah, yeah, sometime later some more came in. It was. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is epic in its own right, but uh, but yeah, to, to have them coming in at the same time, I can't even imagine twenty one coyotes coming in at the same 13, time. Practically and, and impossible, right? We called seventeen in in Orvada one day too. How many did you kill there? Nah, seven or nine. Was oh, it? so you did get some? Because yeah. I was going to say sometimes when they're all coming in like that, it's pretty hard to it's hard to kill them. But Mexico, what that did you kill? Five with a shotgun? Five with shotgun and two or three with a rifle? Yeah. But they were everywhere. Holy cow. 
another one coming from the left. Two yeah. coming from the left. Same path. Same, same path. path. Same path. So I think this whole talk, regardless if you do it at night, if you do it at day, whatever method you do to get your animals, do it legal and ethically. Yeah. And do what makes you happy. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that who cares about I think maybe that's what we just figured out. Who cares how many there are or were? Yeah. Do what makes you happy. Re- reload the shells. Tie your own flies. Use a trail camera. And don't bag on other hunters. Yeah, if they want to shoot a compound bow versus a traditional bow versus a recurve versus whatever, or a or a AR versus a bolt, <laughs> bolt yeah, action yeah. Or, or whatever it is. We all hunters got to stick together because you can see what it's happening every day. Every day there's a new thing. New yep. Mexico, Arizona, Nevada contest being shut down. What's after contests? Well, hunting. Well, and then bear trapping and then dog houndsmen and then this, then that. So we all got to stick together. Let's do everything we can to do ethically because they use that against us. Yep. They use the illegal stuff against us and uh, we don't need that any more than uh, <laughs> them you know, just coming at us with what they can come out with us. They don't need to use us fighting against each other and saying this should be outlawed because it's not what I like. Well, if you're doing it legally, do it. It makes you happy ethically. Do it. And uh, that's about it for today, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, and go out, go out and try different stuff. I think what Clay was just talking about, uh, all of all three of us sitting in this room, our our opinions have been shaped and changed over the years through experience. Because when I was younger, I had a completely different thought process on somebody who sits in a tree stand, of, you know, or baits a bear in, or trees a mountain lion, and you know, I probably I had more uh, disregard for certain things when I was younger. But through experience and becoming more mature, you realize those those different strategies are done for a reason um yeah. not not an unethical reason they're done for different reasons and they're if you experience it, if you go out and try something makes me think of my younger son you know how would you know what that food tastes like if you don't try it how do you know you don't like it you know it's like you have to try it to know that you don't like it so at least try it once so yeah get out there and and try nighttime calling and try daytime calling and see which one you enjoy more when you have some success and and do what do what you're passionate about and do it ethically. Let me add one sentence. I had a when I was younger a bird dog to get birds. That was it. That was one sentence, sorry. When you get older, you'll have a bird dog to watch the bird dog. Say that one more time. I interrupted you now. I got You just think blew about my it. mind. I don't you, know. When I, I when I was younger, I had a bird dog to get birds. As I get older, I want a bird dog to watch the dog. Hmm. Is that, I think that was Nietzsche. Was that Nietzsche? I don't know. One must learn how to <laughs> crawl yeah. before he learns how to walk and run. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? What was his name? Nietzsche. No, what was his name? Coming to America. That was Prince... Uh, uh, Prince uh, Nassim? Akeem. 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 Yeah. No, he, that was Arsenio Hall, wasn't it? No. No, Hakeem. That's when they first okay, got on so the date. I believe that's God, who said the bird women, dog quote. Women must love you back where you come from. Eh, what were you? I just, uh, in the family business. Yeah. Was, was what? Eh, goat herder. Goat, goat herder. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. The things you say are just divine. Well, one must learn how to crawl before you can walk and run. <laughs> part two's part two's coming out. It got delayed by COVID, but oh. I've seen a, I, have you seen a trailer? trailer? I have. Coming to America too. 
I don't know. I saw you the know, trailer and I didn't like the, it. The magic this many years later, but I guarantee you we're going to watch it. Oh, yeah. You got to try it out. Yeah. Anything else, Alex? No, I said my piece. The bird, the bird dog piece? Yeah. I don't know about that, but I got one more story that... Uh, don't you agree with what I said, though? With bird dog? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's part of getting older. Yeah. Uh, Let's I got, what you got to say. I, I got one story. I don't, you've probably heard this before, but uh, when Dad died... August 9, 2006, probably by August, that September, maybe, end uh, August, September, uh, I had a friend who invited me to a whitetail hunt on his family's property back east. Uh, I think not even east, Nebraska. It was in Nebraska. And uh, I'd never done it before. Never whitetail hunted before. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, yeah, you need to get away from here. Those are those are bud lights being cracked. Celebratories. Sorry, you got to you got to get. We're yeah. looking forward to this story. Um, so yeah, I went out there because he's like, you need to get your mind off your dad. I was sad and wanted to make me a little happy, so he bought me a airplane ticket and uh, and a ta- and a license in Nebraska, and I never did it. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And bow hunted. I had just started bow hunting maybe a year or two ago prior to this story, you know, in uh, 2004, three or something, I started maybe bow hunting and went out there and put me up in a tree stand. And I was like, well, this is boring as hell. You know, I'd never done it before. I've never sat in a nothing, even a ground blind for anything like that. They put me up there and, and uh, first day I went up there for maybe an hour and came back down to the, to the house and he's like, you, you already got one? I'm like, hell no. I can't do that. <laughs> this, is the worst. this is the worst thing ever. I can't kill a deer like that. I would never be able to do it. And he's like, well, that's how we do it here. And I was like, well, do you mind if I go spot and stalk? And he goes, uh, I guess it's your tag. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I shot like a 145 or 150 whitetail. And I came back and he was like, what the hell? <laughs> that doesn't happen. I was like, well, you know, because that's what I grew up doing, spotting and stalking. Yeah. And so... But that's different from a guy who goes up in Canada and sits in a thing over a hay bale when it's negative 30 because you can't hunt them any other way. Right. They're ghosts up there and the stuff's so thick, they only come out to those haystacks. And that's the only way to hunt. So I'm, I tell you that I'm not, don't knock anything in the hunting world. No. Be ethical, do it right, makes you happy. Get a bird dog to watch your dog, right. grow old and happy. Red flannel and blue jeans. Red flannel, blue jeans. Damn it. Anything else, Clint? Nope. Anything else, Alex? Negative. All right. Well, I'm signing off then, Alex. We'll do our sign. You should have waited for Nietzsche to do our sign off. That would have been a good sign off today, but you got to come up with another one while I say thank you to all our partners. Uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride, 15 years, and uh, we've had some of the great partners with us for 10, 12 of those, and uh, they've been with us since then, and Federal is one of them. They're awesome. We use it because it works, and we've uh, been using them a long time. So I just want to say thank you, Federal, bringing out that one along with all our sponsors, um, other sponsors other than Federal, and uh, we'll keep doing it. And always remember, there's a limit on what you pursue, but there's no limits on the memories that you make. We out. 50 years too late.